Welcome to the Razor Show with the Athletics' Nick Underhill and Jeff Powell, plus three-time Super Bowl champion Matt Chatham. Happy New Year, everybody. This is the Razor Show, midweek, Jeff and Nick edition, and honestly, this this whole week just feels like uh, the movie Clerks, where the dude behind the desk is just sitting there the whole time saying, I'm not even supposed to be here today. Uh, so... But we are, and you are with us, so let's make a show out of it. Uh, the Patriots had a bye until they didn't. The worst regular season loss in, in the Belichick era. And because of that, the Patriots are punished or, or face the penance of having a short week, a Saturday night game, and uh, in the wild card round for the first time in a decade. So it's, I mean, can they go on a run? Of course they can. Did they make life, life harder on themselves than it should have been? No question about it. Nick, where where where's your head at with this team right now? What what are you thinking, both short and long term, or are they one and the same? Yeah, I mean, after after the Buffalo game, I, I think that that was probably the most confident I've been in this team since probably the bye. I think the bye week was kind of the turning point for the team. I, I didn't really think too much about that Baltimore loss. You know, it, it started out bad. I thought they gained their footing and kind of thought it was a blip on the radar. But you know, kind of looking back. You know, you kind of have that line of demarcation between, you know, the good teams and the bad teams on the schedule. And I don't, you know, at this point, I think we kind of got to start siding with the second half of the season more than the first as far as what they are. And, you know, I thought Buffalo, they got back on track. And then this Miami game was absolutely shocking. I mean, we, we fill out the game of the week thing. You know, we get asked to do that on The Athletic. And it's, you know, the, oh, these are the games to watch this week. And they sent one to me week 17. And like, I filled this thing out like so arrogantly as if to say, like, I cannot believe you guys are going to actually include this in there. Like this game doesn't matter. It's stupid. It's the Patriots and the Dolphins. You know, in my head, the Pats were going to go in there and win 34 to seven or something like that. And then, you know, they they come out and, and lay a massive egg. And, you know, at this point, until they prove it. And like you said, you know, these are the Patriots. They still wear red, white and blue. Bill Belichick's on the sideline. You know, Tom Brady's Tom Brady until someone, you know, double taps him and, and buries him and pronounces him dead. You know, I'm going to believe that he can figure something out at some point. But, I mean, any other team in any other clothing with any other coach playing the way they're playing, I think you're looking at this team, you know, kind of funny. You know, uh, okay, they got in. Their record was what it was, but they really aren't that good. But, you know, it's the Patriots, so they can tap into something and find it. But, like, if, if we're going off the evidence we have right now, like, I'm not very confident in this team heading into this game. Yeah, I mean, in a vacuum, we can sit here and say, we look at that Buffalo game and say, if they if the Patriots play that way every time they hit the field, whether it's once or four times in the playoffs, uh, they have a chance to beat everybody that's lined up opposite of them. But can they do that against Tennessee and uh, a Mike Rabel coach team with Ryan Tannehill of all people playing as well as just about any quarterback in the league, which is unfathomable. <laughs> uh, that's just, I mean, this, this decade is off to a weird start already, but then you've got Vrabel who knows how to coach and knows how to coach against this specific team. And you, you're going to have a group of guys. I mean, I've spent some time around the Titans and you're going to have a group of guys who are ready to play and they're certainly fearless. So they're going to be, well coached, they're going to have a game plan, and this is not going to be a team that is going to. I mean, how many times? Like, we'll take the Cowboys for example. Yeah, they can run the ball, but you knew at some point along the line the coaching was going to interfere with the Cowboys' 
pension for running the ball, and they're just going to start doing stupid things, and the Patriots' defense was going to take over. Uh, what I'm getting at here is we know that the Patriots' run defense has been vulnerable at times this season, and the Titans have the leading rusher in Derrick Henry, and Mike Vrabel is going to make sure that Derrick Henry gets his share of carries. I'd be shocked if he got to carry the ball less than 20 times, barring some sort of crazy start that puts the Titans in, in a two- or a three-possession hole. But it's... And then kind of longer view, if you get past the Titans, which the Patriots should win that game, but if you get past the Titans, you know, can you do it again in Kansas City? And then can you do it again almost certainly in Baltimore? And then can you do it in the, the Super Bowl? I mean, it's just, it's a lot to ask. And the recency bias, I mean, that was, you know, you mentioned the word shocking, which it was. Losing to the Dolphins was shocking. I couldn't stand the amount of people who were hitting me up on Twitter saying this was not shocking if you've watched this team. Oh. No, it was shocking. They were 17-point favorites at home against a Miami Dolphins team that I don't care how well they've been playing over the last two months. They were still the Dolphins. They were still a team that, as of two weeks earlier, did have an outside shot at having the number one pick in the draft. And the Patriots laid a complete egg in that game. I mean, if you, you take a team like Miami that is on the verge of vacation, and if you come out with any intensity whatsoever in the first half... That team goes into the locker room and is just like, you know what, I'm good. Like, I'm not going out there. I'm not getting myself injured to the point where I'm going to have surgery in a couple days and all of a sudden i got to move back my vacation to the Bahamas. And the Patriots didn't do that. And it was it, it was crazy. So, you know, I, I guess I'll lead to, like, another point that I've been thinking of is while we can sit here and say what we saw in Buffalo could be replicated multiple times... Who's to like? We don't know. We won't know until Saturday night. What's in the Patriots' headspace right now? Are they really going to go on this revenge tour that Kyle Van Noy said? If they are, then fantastic. You know, good for them. But are they also sitting there this week, pissed off that or pointing fingers that you know some guys didn't show up to work and now they have to play again on a short week? And maybe they're not thinking that long-term this is something that they're going to be able to string together and win a Super Bowl. And are they going to have an 0-9 Baltimore type of performance in the wild card game? So it's a, it's, I, and that's again, that, you know, that's something I'm thinking of. I don't know if it's a likely scenario, but it's something that the Patriots truly cannot answer until they hit the field. Yeah, I mean, I've kind of had that same concern. And if they feel as down about this team as I think a lot of people feel as down about this team, it's going to be tough to get up for this game and go out there and do what they got to do. Like you said, you start looking ahead. It's like, okay, they win this one. Then can they win the next two? And then it's like, there could be people that, that are in there like, man, I just like, I want this to be over. We aren't good enough. Like you never know. Like if anything creeps into their head, like they got to be bought in all the way, I think for this team with what they have to, to win games. And if there's any, any dissatisfaction or doubt or frustration, like that could be a major hindrance and in, to them, you know, tapping into that, you know, they, it seems like every year, like this is the kind of loss where I think in previous seasons, you're just looking at it like, okay, they're going to tap into this and they're going to use it as their motivation. And, you know, Tom Brady's going to develop some slogan he's going to say for the next 12 months based off of this one game. <laughs> and it's going to be in every tweet. And, okay, three games to glory turns into four games to glory. And it's easy to see how they do it. I, I don't see it being like an easy road. I think it's, it's going to be very difficult for them to get to where they want to go. But hey, like if any team can, can figure it out, it's them. And, uh, you know, just speaking of dumb Twitter narratives, 
the other one that that's been really annoying this week is like it seems like there's a like civil war in Patriots Twitter between like was it Tom Brady's fault? Was it the defense's fault that they lost that game? I think both sides of the ball sucked. I think Brady going off of goat standards, you know, not Sam Darnold standards of like, oh, he got him back into the game. Like, no, off of Tom Brady standards, that was a very piss poor Tom Brady game. Like, that's just the facts. He threw a pick six to, you know, directly to a defender, a lot of inaccurate passes. Like for Tom Brady, that was not a good Tom Brady game. Meanwhile, the defense also sucked in that game. Both things can be true. I don't think it's an either-or proposition. Well, oh, well, the defense was worse than Brady. If the defense plays like that in the playoffs, they're going to lose. If Brady plays like that in the playoffs, they're going to lose. They were playing the Miami Dolphins. They're now playing the Tennessee Titans. Like, the standard of winning is a lot higher than it was last week. Like, Brady giving them a chance really doesn't mean much. He gave them a chance against a bad team with former Patriots practice squad players in the secondary. Like, you know, let's keep everything in context. Like, it was a very bad performance where the blame lies. Like, really doesn't matter. Like, everybody's got to be better. Like, low point of the season. I think you said low point of the decade. And while I wasn't here for the whole decade, like, I think that's probably pretty accurate. Like, like you said, like, Miami is not a good team. Shocking loss. Like, it's it's just kind of crazy right now to, to kind of look at where they're at and, and, and try to sort it out and figure out where they're going. Like, we've been talking – all season okay wait let's see what happens let's see what happens the offense could click it's 2020 like they are what they are at this point and it's just like figuring out a way to try to you know tape an aspirin to the knee and, and get through it like can they do that I don't know like it, I'm, I'm very 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 doubtful right now yeah I, I mean just thinking of the, the worst losses of the regular season under Belichick I, I went through every season Last week, as I was writing the game story, just to kind of refresh my memory, and I think the closest thing is 2015 and the loss to the Dolphins, but the reason why I think this one was worse was because it cost you a bye, whereas that one cost you the number one seed, you fell to two, and you lost in the AFC Championship game in Denver, which, you know, not a, not an outcome that was all that desirable after starting that season 10-0, and but if you think about that game and, and the context behind it, they had seven... Uh, I think I mean they barely were able to dress forty six healthy guys, and the it was the Steven Jackson game, and, and it was a very strange coaching strategy. But they were, I mean, they could not have been any more obvious. The only goal of that day was to get out of there healthy, and they didn't even do that. Marcus Cannon got Tom Brady hitting the the leg. I think he had an ankle injury, so that's like the closest one. But it was like. You know, I've, I've seen people say, oh, Kansas City in 14 was worse. No, that game galvanized them, and they still, the AFC went through Foxborough in that postseason. So that game is off the map. You can't use any of the 09 games because that team was a dud from start to finish, and they weren't going to get a bye anyway. So there weren't really any of those losses that had postseason ramifications, and that was the standard. You could look at 04 in Miami, uh, and in that the, probably the biggest regular season upset of the Belichick era was losing on Monday night to the Dolphins, 29-28. But that game didn't cost them anything. And they ultimately were not going to leapfrog Pittsburgh and get the number one seed in the in the postseason. And they won in Pittsburgh in the AFC title game. So you can't look at Buffalo to start off 0-3 because, again, it had no playoff ramifications. This game cost them a first-round bye and obviously the extra road game if they keep uh, if they are able to get through Tennessee. So this was unquestionably the worst regular season loss of the Belichick era uh, because of everything that 
and you know again where the game was on the schedule is every bit as important as who the opponent was and what the stakes were and you go from having a chance to basically have a short week around a holiday with a veteran team that Belichick for the last two years has really dialed back the workload on and now all of a sudden you have a chance to you say all right well Julian Edelman's going to get some rest Edelman started off that game by basically being a situational receiver until they realized oh shoot uh, the offense isn't working without him. And, you know, you had a chance to rest him. You had a chance to rest the three guys in the secondary who have groin injuries and, and whatever is ailing Tom Brady right now. All of that went out the window. And, you know, can you, if any team can do it, it's this one, of course, because of the core. And this core has gotten through so much over the last few years, whether it was Deflategate or uh, Brady's suspension. And,. The Malcolm Butler benching in the Super Bowl and coming back that offseason ready to work and going out and winning the next Super Bowl. I mean, that was the, the greatest amount of adversity I think I've ever seen internally uh, was coming back from the Butler stuff. But this is on six days. And again, if they look at this thing long term and say, I don't know if this, this roster is good enough, they start second guessing themselves. All of a sudden, you know, the, the issues that have gotten to them to this point to begin with, which was... You know, maybe not having a great offensive start, putting yourself in a 10-point hole and, and being forced to play catch-up for the duration of the game and and ultimately losing because of that. I mean, that's that could be a... Uh, if, if their offense goes in the tank for a good chunk of the first half once the scripted portion of the plays is gone, then you, you're running a realistic chance where we don't know. Can the defense continue to win these games for them? They're, they're good enough to do it, but are you asking too much at this point in the season? Yeah, the, the scary thing about the defense, too, is it kind of feels like it maybe peaked a, a little bit early. And, you know, the last two weeks, like, there's some things in that Buffalo game, and then this week it was, you know, probably the worst game of the season for them, given the opponent and everything. So Certainly that's a little bit concerning. Yeah, no question with the secondary. Like, I don't – Gilmore's had, like, a couple – he had the weird play against Buffalo, and now, you know, that's against a very explosive player. So maybe, you know, you push that aside, but then getting beat by Devontae Parker was a little bit weird too. So, you know, I don't know. I, I assume he'll probably bounce back. He's, you know, the best corner in, in the league for a reason, and you don't become the best cornerback in the league without being, like, the most confident person walking planet Earth because that's just the nature of the position, and, and you got to have that belief. So – I don't think any of that's going to wear on him. He'll probably figure it out. But, yeah, I mean, it's just the trend right now, which can very easily be bucked, probably isn't uh, great. But I don't know. The whole tone of this conversation is kind of crazy. It's like the first playoff game, and it's like a funeral. But, like, that's just kind of where the season is right now. But looking at this game, what are maybe, like, one or, the, one or two things that you think, you know, got to happen for, for them to win the game? Well, uh, I'll, I'll backtrack real quick and then get to that. Like, even if the Patriots pulled that thing out, if they got that defensive stand or whatever, you know what? And you also mentioned uh, the the offense and or Brady and the offense and the defense were both culpable for that loss. So was Bill Belichick and and giving away that that first half possession because he wanted yep. to send a message to the team that that cost them. But even if the Patriots won that game, if they had one more thing go their way and they secured the bye. We would be sitting here saying, oh, you know what? They didn't show up against the Dolphins, but that's no big deal because they're the Dolphins and whatever. All we do is look back to Buffalo and say, that's the team that we think is going to come out against Kansas City or whoever they draw in the divisional round. And again, they pissed it all away. So what's one thing I'm looking for? I'm going to start with with Gilmore. And 
He had the worst game of his Patriots career, seven catches on nine targets for 119 yards against Devontae Parker. The last time they played the Titans, Corey Davis uh, did some work on him too. So Gilmore has a lot to prove in a a couple different layers. And it it had me thinking, like, just how, I don't know if that's going to cost him the Defensive Player of the Year award or not, but it, it got me thinking to just how valuable Gilmore was. And I remember we talked about this a few times earlier in the season, who was the most valuable defensive player on the roster. And there were some weeks when it was Jamie Collins and Kyle Van Noy and Dante Hightower and Devin McCourty and Stephon Gilmore. And I think what we saw Sunday was if Gilmore's not at his best, how much of a layered effect that has on the rest of the secondary. Uh, and, and maybe that changes with better health or whatever. But, you know, John Jones has had a tough stretch going on six games now, you know, throwing out the one that he missed. Uh, where he's given up in all six of those games either 60 yards or a touchdown every time he's been out there. So uh, has he been hurt longer than what we've seen out of just the groin injury that popped up a couple weeks ago? J.C. Jackson has had a tougher stretch over the last couple weeks. Jason McCourty obviously hasn't been full strength for a couple months. So when you don't have Gilmore right, it, it, it takes its toll on the rest of the group. And the pass rush actually had, in, at least in terms of disruptions, um, statistically their best game of the season. But the, the cornerbacks gave up 18 catches, which was eight more than they had at any other point, any other game this season. And a, a big part of that is Gilmore and how much they need him and, and will need him on Saturday night against Tennessee, regardless of who he covers. Uh, but they need the other guys behind him to step up too. That's a crazy uh, stat there. Like, so if the corners have been covering a little bit better, like those pressures turn into sacks and like the whole game probably shifts a little bit and maybe they get a couple plays that they do need to win the game, but they don't because yeah, you know, well, those two things go hand in hand. Not just that, but like Ryan Fitzpatrick played his ass off. He was outstanding, which is like just, a, <laughs> I mean, again, like what, what decade are we in right now? Um, he was, he was phenomenal and the receivers made plays and, you know, you would think that if you're able to, have 28 disruptions and a couple of those were on the same play uh you just had to give it to like a couple different people but if you're able to get home or at least pressure the guy on you know a couple dozen occasions a guy like ryan fitzpatrick should theoretically have one turnover or i mean probably four but at least one and it never happened and i mean he played outstanding but again a lot of that was because the cornerbacks just uh they they weren't doing their job so I, I think for me, yeah, a lot of it also, like I'm with you, I think a lot of the, the success this week is determined by the internal performance, um, you know, focus back on the wide receivers and Brady. I, I think everybody's got to be on the same page. You know, Tennessee does have the guys to double Edelman and match up on the outside. One of the big keys there, I think, is Adoree Jackson. You know, he, he did practice, I think, this week in full. He's been out since early December with a foot injury. So if he plays... You know, that makes it a little bit harder if, if Brady's got to throw outside to Sanu or Harry. If he doesn't play, I think that some of that stuff becomes a lot more winnable. Uh, you know, and on the inside, Belichick might think Logan Ryan's the best nickel corner in the league. You know, I, I don't I don't think that's totally true. But, I mean, they do have a decent secondary. But that, that is – it's winnable if these guys show up and, and play how they play. And then, you know, externally, I think everything – and you mentioned it earlier. Everything about the Titans offense comes down to – to Derrick Henry and kind of the scary thing about him is that you know everybody knows they're going to run the ball 
teams stacked the box against them all year. Seven, seven or more guys in the box. Henry still had 1,200 yards against loaded boxes this year. Fifteen hundred over, fifteen hundred overall. Uh, a lot of that stuff is against. They, they do a lot of zone blocking, and you know the Patriots overall have been pretty decent against zone schemes. But you know against quality running backs, they kind of got ate, ate up a little bit. Ingram had ten carries for ninety-seven yards. Mixon had twenty for eighty-five. Nick Chubb had twelve for fifty-eight. So, you know, th- there might be some some issues there. They're going to have to be very, very disciplined, very gap sound, know their assignments, not make mistakes. And, you know, they, and then their whole passing attack. And I think why Tannehill's so go- good is because of Henry. You know, so much of their stuff is off of play action. And they just destroy teams on, on those play action passes. And, you know, if, if you're loading up on Henry, then, you know, you have favorable matchups outside and, and in the secondary. And, you know, he's been picking that stuff apart. So, you know, they got to cut off the head and find a way to slow him down. And if they don't, you know, I, I think things become a lot harder, you know, just overall across the board. So, you know, that's really the main thing there. Whatever they do against A.J. Brown, Corey Davis, like that stuff matters a lot. But if they don't stop Henry, like it, it's not going to matter who they're covering because they're going to find a way to get one of those guys open against, you know, one-on-one coverage. And, you know, whoever Gilmore's not on is probably going to have a good game if, if Henry's going well. Derek Henry's also the biggest human being I think I've ever seen. <laughs> we, we watched those training camp practices down in Nashville from the sideline, and there was a couple periods when Henry would come over and do his rehab work right behind us, and I, I, couldn't, I couldn't believe how big that dude was. I mean, trying to tackle him, you know, this is... Not this isn't breaking news here or whatever. Like local sports writer who's mostly out of shape could not tackle an NFL running back. Yeah, I get that. But trying to tackle that dude, man, that's that's just that's gonna be a long. And the weather might be lousy too, which could be conducive to a running game. So yeah, he's he's a move out of the way guy. Like some other guys, like if they were coming at me, like and I was in danger, some running backs, like I might try to throw a tackle to protect myself. Like Henry, I'm just like free passage sir like where are you going it's fine (laughs) yeah big guy you got anything else uh no i'm good all right well that's it for our midweek edition happy new year again chatham will get you one more time later in the week we will we'll talk to you guys next week whether the patriots win or lose uh and kind of go through all that and and what lies ahead whether it's a game or the offseason uh but right now we don't really know and maybe the tone of that conversation will be completely different next week but Enjoy the first round of playoff games. If you're like us and you have to reschedule some plans, then, you know, it's uh, you, maybe you're scrambling to get some stuff done uh, around the holiday here and listening to us while you're doing it. We appreciate that. Happy New Year. We'll see you guys again next week. <laughs>